Hello and welcome to Bootstrap, the podcast for software bootstrappers. If you are running a software company or looking to start one, then this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Steve McLeod. The following message is brought to you by Balsamic. Balsamic have decided to support the Bootstrap community by donating their sponsored airtime to some of our listeners. When Ruben Swartz was consulting, he hated having to use sales tools that were designed for big teams. So he created Mimiran, the CRM for people who hate selling. It helps you get more leads from your website, turn more leads into conversations, and automates the process all the way through to e-signature. Tired of wrestling with cumbersome CRMs designed for someone else? Want to know when people are reading your proposals? When to follow up with partners and more? Do you want a simple way to take charge of your sales and marketing without being a sales rock star or a marketing guru? Built by and for introverts, Mimiran helps you sell by helping and market by teaching. Start your free trial at mimiran.com. That's M-I-M-I-R-A-N.com where you can also get free proposal templates, lead magnets, and more. If you'd like to have your startup advertised on this podcast for free, courtesy of Balsamic, or receive a promo code for Balsamic, visit balsamic.com slash go slash bootstrapped. This week, I declared bankruptcy. Well, not real bankruptcy, cable bankruptcy. I have this box into which I put cables that I think I might need in the future. The thing is, cables go in, but they never come out. Every time I look in that box for the cable I need, it's never there. You have the same yeah, problem. Yeah, they tie themselves in a knot. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, through no effort of your own, they managed to entangle themselves completely. I have every combination of a video cable, every combination of USB cable, but never the one I need, and. Things came to a head last week or two weeks ago when I got this new MacBook Pro, which only has USB-C. Nothing plugs into it. So I've declared cable bankruptcy. The box is going and I'm going to start afresh. That's a, that's a big life step, Steve. Congrats. <laughs> I bet some listeners know exactly what I mean. Moving on, I'm joined again today by Ed Freifogel. Hey, Ed, what's been happening since we last spoke? Very busy week for me because my wife was out of town for a week for her work. And so all the joys of single parented. So that, that keeps me very disciplined and very, or you got to be very organized. So, and then also on the business side, unfortunately we had some kind of end of year struggles. It's been a very poor week for us. Several, several customers canceling, which I think I attribute it mainly to, you know, as the year draws to a close, people kind of are reviewing their their accounting and things like that. And then some people who, you know, decide they no longer need a subscription. So Ouch. it's part of life. Yeah. So is it one of those months when MRR actually drops? Well, we're only a few days into the month. So let's see. November was actually very good for us. So I, hopefully we can recover. Let's see. Let's see. The other thing we did is we did, um, which is quite relevant to our topic today, and we did a thing what we call Speed Day, where we down tools on all other projects and we focus just on the speed of the the website. How we can improve that? Oh, I like um, that. And this is, yeah, it's 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 always good fun. 
Um, but the point of our, to our topic today is we're going to be talking about different techniques and tactics that, that you can use when you're a very small team to be efficient. And one of our tactics, for example, is setting aside specific days to work on specific topics. So that way we don't kind of lose them out of, you know, forget about them or, but we'll get into that a bit later. How about, how about you? Actually, I just want to ask you a bit more about speed day. How often do you do it? We used to do it kind of once a quarter, but to be honest, all the low hanging fruit has kind of been picked off now. So we probably do it, you know, once every four months or so. Okay. It also um, has the benefit that if you're accidentally getting slower and you haven't realized it, it's making you aware. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just it because it's it's the kind of thing that it, it's easy to like, unless you specifically set aside time to measure it and improve it and, and address it, it doesn't just naturally happen. And you do decay over time because you add new features, you you make changes. Um, so so that's exactly the reason to set aside a day. Um, and speed is just one of the many topics that we do that for. So usually every month we have, a let's say, a topic day of some topics. But but we'll get into that in a sec. Okay. Tell, tell us how, how life's looking for you. How's, how's business? Well, I made a big step this week in Feature Upvote. I put the prices up by 40%. I did that. Very nice. That's based on, uh, I think, three episodes ago, we talked about my potential increase in pricing. And I figured it was time to do it. Now, we were talking about putting it into multiple currencies, which is definitely my plan for early in the next year. But for now, it was just so much easier just to keep it in US pricing and put another row of data in a database table and be done with it for now. Any any initial results? I mean, are people still becoming customers? Yeah, well, the way we've done it is that people who were already on their trial, on their 30-day trial, still get the previous pricing. We didn't want to make it a bait and switch where you get told, it's $35, sign up for the trial. You sign up for the trial and suddenly it's $49. Like That does not make happy people. So we did a little bit of uh, logic smarts to keep people on the price as of the day they started their trial. So for by now, like there's been no one on the new plan, but we'll see. A little bit suspicious, a little bit worried that maybe a number of new customers will drop a little bit, but I suspect the increase in percentage pricing will way make up for it. Well, time will tell. Good luck. Good luck. Any negative reaction from existing customers or anything? Well, we haven't announced it and no one seems to have noticed. And the last time I put up the prices uh, about a year ago, again, not a single word from anybody. So I'm just... We're thinking of doing a blog post aimed at existing customers to tell them, hey, we've put up our prices, but you, you're the lucky ones. You get to stay on the, the so-called grandfathered pricing schemes. But I'm not sure. Would you do a blog post announcing it? Yeah, I probably would. I probably would. Because otherwise, you know, people assume the worst. They assume it's some kind of surreptitious thing. So why not announce it? Mm, it's certainly an I mean, or maybe I would I would create the blog post and then, you know, that way, whenever, if someone asks you about it or whatever, you can always just point them to the blog post and say, well, we did announce it. Yeah, good point. It's better to be transparent about these things, yeah. I think. So the people who are already customers, not only do they keep the same pricing, but if they expand their account to have more feedback boards, they still get the old pricing for those additional feedback boards. And I'm doing right. that on the logic of... Uh, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, you know, the golden rule. Right. I hate it when some service just says, hey, you know, you did become a customer at this price, but we've just decided it's going up and that's it. Like, it just leaves a bad taste. Yeah, of course. That's 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 terrible. No, no one's happy about that. But yeah, I would definitely do a blog post because, I mean, you're being really nice to your existing customers, so why not tell them or, or at least have it there so that they can discover it? I mean, definitely. You know, there's no reason not to. 
Now, I wanted to share some feedback on, I think it was two episodes ago when we talked about selling to developers. This was the episode that was published last week. A listener, Pavalis from Lithuania, he very much liked the episode. And these are the things he added. Uh, a great point about checking your docs. You know, we talked about how your docs get out of right. date. Uh, and he also said it was a great point to be your own product client. Three is he liked the open cage pricing on the free plan. He likes that you say best effort support rather than, you know, help yourself. Oh yeah, I saw him. Uh, I saw him tweet about that. That was that was kind of him to do so. Yeah, um, since so it sounds original and very friendly. I've also noticed that on your pricing page. So the the premium plans have like premium support or something like this, but then the the free plan has best effort support. What can we say, Steve? We're friendly people. <laughs> <laughs> and I suspect they actually get pretty close to the same support as everybody else, right? Yeah. I mean, the only reason they wouldn't is if we're somehow overwhelmed by, you know, obviously if like five requests come in at once, then of course I'm going to deal with the highest value customer first. But that is pretty rare, actually. Usually, of course, everyone gets the same level of support. And the last point he made is that uh, he agrees that de developers probably are unlikely to want emails or remarketing. He says when he's tried it himself, the return on investment has been very low. Yeah, exact same conclusion we reached. I mean, it just wasn't worth paying for like an email service because it was it just, you know, they're just going straight into, they're going unread. So yeah, I guess it really depends on your audience. You know, some people, some people want to get those kind of reminders and get the instructions. Other people want to, they want to explore for themselves. So, and it's, it's so important to know who your audience is. So on to today's topic, Ed, small team habits. Yeah, so so the reason, a couple of reasons I wanted to discuss this. Um, so first of all, a couple of episodes ago, you came with this tip of, you know, being your own customer. So actually physically signing up for your own product so that you get the billing emails or whatever. And I thought that was a great tactic. And, and as I think we talked about last time, I, I then did it and found some things to improve. And similarly, actually, I, I was at MicroConf Europe a couple of weeks ago, and some of the talks were excellent, and, and I definitely got something out of all of them. But I found that some of the talks were kind of more theoretical, and, and I was really, I was like, oh, I really wish some of the talks were way more tactical and gave me like, you know, much more concrete action items that I can dive into. And then I was reflecting on that and I was like, well, maybe I should, instead of, instead of sitting here complaining about that, maybe I should try to propose a talk next year in which I'll list kind of the 50 tactics that we use or whatever the number will be that we use to run our business because I'm sure at least some of them would be applicable to other people. So I've started keeping a list of tactics like this. So so one would be for example subscribe to your own product. And it's been it's been very interesting in the last couple of weeks as I've kept this list and and tried to come up with things and looking back on it, it I think it's one of the reasons we've been able to work so well. So so we're a, you know a company of two people both working almost full time on our business but but also doing other things and you know have other commitments family and whatever so you really need to be disciplined to drive the business forward there are a lot of risks when you if you're a solo founder or even if you're a small team you can get so distracted by things both in a in in the sense of that you can try to do too many things at once and you you get spread too thin or the opposite and you do you do everything poorly you do everything poorly or the opposite if you're if you're a solo founder you know we all know the stereotype of the engineer who just sits there like 
you know, week after week trying to work on some feature that he thinks is super important. And then in the end, he realizes, that, you know, it's not important at all. You know, that, that's just one risk of many that you can have when you're a small team in terms of spinning your wheels or, or working on the wrong thing. Or So I thought today we would, I could list off some of, some of the tactics that we use in our business kind of as a teaser of this talk that I can hopefully give next year or this list that I'm compiling. So we'll go through them one by one. And after each one, we'll stop for a, a short discussion. Sure. So this is kind of my, my initial top five. I'm sure the list will evolve over time or whatever. And frankly, to the listeners, I would love to have any feedback that you have or um, if you have, have topics of your own or techniques that you found good in your own business. Of course, please, please do let us know. So number one on Ed's list. Number one, this is the main thing I advise every startup that I'm working with, be it, be it a bootstrapper or a funded startup. This is the, one of the top priorities is create a monthly email to a, a group of advisors that you send. And those could be, you know, the, the advisors could be your friends and family. It could be your actual investors if you're, if you're a funded startup or whatever. But a monthly email that is one page where you are forced to put into writing, you know, the key metrics of the business the top, let's say, three things that you're working on in the coming month and how you did on the top three things from the previous months. Um, and this is so important because it forces you to define that list. Um, and particularly, it's important, I've found, in cases where there are multiple founders because it forces them to agree on a list because there's nothing worse than when founder A says, you know, the priority is X and founder B says the priority is Y and they're kind of working at cross purposes. And so we do this in our business. I have a list of, you know, we don't have any investors, but I have a list of, you know, probably 20 people that some of them are friends, some are family, some are, you know, some have relevant industry experience or whatever, some, some don't. But a lot of times I don't get, actually get that much feedback on this email, but it's the act of writing the email that is so good for the business. And it forces my, my co-founder and I to, to define that list and say, you know, should we work on this or should we work on that? Or, and it's so critical. So, so, critical. so you send that like on the first day of each month or the first weekday of each month? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And do you, you do anything similar? I don't. Now that I have a small team, we do have a, a status meeting at the beginning of each month where I kind of do work with them to work out what we did and what we will do. But that's different. Yeah, this is I like this idea of an email to advisors, especially people who you're willing to share in depth or not in depth, but what's normally confidential. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm quite transparent. I mean, so obviously one of our key metrics is MRR. So I list our MRR and and I marginal list, recur, um, uh, monthly recurring revenue for monthly recurring revenue and and the number of subscription customers that we have and. You know, and, and I think there's a lot of value in that as well. It's just forcing you to define what are the key metrics of our business. I even like that it forces you to think about who you consider to be an advisor. And I think that's a good point as well. And I think contacting a person and saying, hey, I'd like to be able to include you on this list. It's actually quite a flattering thing for, for you to say to somebody. And I think most people would be quite willing, as long as you know them personally, they'd be quite willing to, to be on that, receiving that email monthly. Absolutely. And, and um, you know, I make it clear the email is confidential. And I tell people uh, at the top of the email, look, if you if you have feedback on any of the topics, of course, I would love to hear it, but don't feel under any obligation to, uh, you know, I'm not expecting people to, to do free work for me of like, you know, spending lots of time advising my business or anything. But sometimes people do, you know, they, they send back that, you know, they say, oh, yeah, I see you're working on this or, oh, I see you're trying to hire a, a designer, you know, I can recommend this guy or, you know, things like that. So it is, right, it is right. useful, but 
But the real value is in just forcing us to write the email every month. And I also have to yeah. say another huge value to it is going back. So now, of course, I you know I have them. It's all in a Google Docs folder. And sometimes whenever I get down or, you know, as I said this week, where we've lost a few customers, I go back and look at the update email from like a month or from a year ago or two years ago or whatever. And you can see how far you've come. And, and that's actually very, very motivating. I do yearly summaries that I actually post on the Bootstrap discussion forum. Uh, that was something, an idea given to me by Patrick McKenzie long ago. And I also find the benefit of going back and looking at it in the future at past ones. And it's a real surprise to see where I've come from. It really does lift the mood a bit. So moving on, Ed, n number two of your top five tips. Right. So this is similar to what we talked about just a second ago, speed day. So there are a lot of topics that are important, but they're not urgent, let's say, where um, it's easy to kind of delay them or postpone them. So, you know, speed of your service is one. Upgrading, you know, making sure all the software is current. Security is one. You know, security, obviously, if, you know, if your site is hacked or something, that that's an urgent issue. But just making sure you stay on top of best practices and things like that. Testing. You know, it's very, very easy to be like, oh, well, we need got to get this feature out. You know, we'll do the test later. And then, of course, later never comes around. Or we'll let our customers be the testers. Exactly. So what we do is we systematically set aside time every every month we have you know, a speed day, a security day, a software update day. That doesn't mean that's the only time we ever work on it. Obviously, like I said, like if um, if there's a some big security problem, like like you know, we see some library has a security hole or whatever. Of course, we'll upgrade that immediately. But it's a, a time that you set aside where you say, okay, you know, and you very systematically say, like, okay, you know, where are we? So for on speed day, we have a bunch of different tools that we use to measure the speed of the service. And we we rerun all those tools and compare them with how we did a couple months ago. And then we say, okay. And and the other thing is then, you know, day to day as we're working, you know, sometimes you will have an idea of like, oh, I bet we could do that and it would make things faster. So rather than then getting distracted by that, we put it on the list for the next speed day. And that way it the work is it's it's more structured and more you're not jumping from thing to thing, but you set aside specific times to do these things. And we found that very effective as a small team as a way to work on these on these kind of important but not urgent topics. So the one we do similar to that is uh, my system administrator who works on a freelance basis. Each month he goes through uh, our logs and looks for any errors that we haven't been aware of. He checks that our performance metrics are looking good in AWS. He makes sure that he can restore a backup of our yes, database. Back, so, so backups is a topic. Every six months we do a backup day and make sure, are we backing everything up? Can we access the backups? Right. All these kinds of things. So yeah, we That's do, a classic one. Yeah, and most people don't do it. Like, what's the point of a backup if you're not sure if it works? So we actually do that. We actually do that monthly. I guess I'm naturally quite a warrior, a worry wart, and... That makes me feel more, more calm. And the fact is that he just does it because it's on his list of things to do. And the more he does it, the quicker he gets at it. So the whole process doesn't actually take much time or cost me much money. Well, yeah. And I mean, you know, like, so with speed day, you know, as I said, we, we, you know, now we've been doing this every once a quarter or whatever. And, and so, you know, all the low hanging fruit has been taken care of. So now we're getting into the kind of micro optimizations, I guess, or or we need to make bigger changes or whatever. But but it's more about just building good habits the same way, you know, you have the habit of, oh, let me exercise three times a week and then, you know, or whatever. And then you do that unless you're healthy. 
it's about building these habits that you stay on top of these kind of tasks that it's easy to delay or to neglect. So number one was write a monthly summary email to advisors. Number two was schedule time for regular things you know you need to do, floss. Number three, Ed, what's number three? Number three is I highly recommend once you get to any type of, of traction in your business in terms of revenue, so let's say you know $1,000 MR or whatever, you should definitely subscribe to a service like Bear Metrics or Chart Mogul or, or one of the others that analyzes all your, your financial statistics for you. And why, um, should, why do you recommend that? Because it's, it saves you so much time and energy and it gives you consistency in how you measure things. Um, and, and, you know, so calculating MRR is actually, it can be tricky depending on how many different plans you have. If you have different, you know, you have monthly, annual, uh, multi-year plans, you have it in different currencies and things like that. You, you can waste a lot of time trying to, when we first started, you know, I had my own spreadsheet and whatever. And as soon as you get past more than a handful of customers, you know, this is just kind of busy work that is also easy to get wrong. And the cost of these services is pretty low, right? And you can, you're just better, much better off paying the expert to do that and move on with your business. And that way you just have it. You, it, it just, you know, there's no reason to reinvent that wheel. Yeah. Us developers are very tempted to do it ourselves thinking, why would I pay that money when I can just do a few database queries and uh, admin form? But the thing is, you end up doing a half-baked job. It takes you longer than you think. It's time you're not actually spending on your business. And these other services are always improving. They know they have to, to keep your money. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, the, the most, the best example of that is the one we talked about a couple uh, episodes ago, kind of invoicing um, services like Quaderno or whatever. There's really, really no reason to be doing that yourself. I mean, leave it to the experts, pay them. You know, the, the fee is, is very, very reasonable for any, you know, once your business has any sort of size. Um, so really there's just, you know, you should be focusing on your core business, not on admin crap. Yeah. And that's a mindset that a lot of first time bootstrappers really need to learn. I had to learn it for years. I thought I had to do, in fact, I thought I wanted to do everything myself, even the things I wasn't very good at, uh, this build before buy mentality. This can be so dangerous to uh, the health uh, of your business. Absolutely. And I have to say, you know, living here in Spain, I also feel like that's a mentality here. There's very much a mentality of never spend any money. And it's so flawed, I think, in so many yeah. ways. It's, it's, it's really penny-wise, pound-foolish. Yeah. So. so, number four. What's number four on Ed's list of uh, healthy habits? So number four, again, um, this may vary depending on the size of your business and things. But one of the things that we did as soon as we got to any kind of critical size is hire freelancers. In fact, in some cases, so we, we hired, you know, both my, my co-founder and I are, have a software development background and, um, and we were mainly doing development work. And we hired a freelancer not to bring more, to get more muscle behind these projects, but as a way to force ourselves to document, if you see what I mean. So, yeah, so I um, hire, hire external people because then it forces you, again, it's a little bit like, like number one, where you force yourself to, to write your monthly email of what are my priorities by bringing in an external person. And we, we hired a guy for the equivalent of one day a month. So it really, he wasn't, and, and we told this guy, you know, he could work, you know, on any time over the course of the month that he wanted. So these were not urgent projects at all. It forced us then to document our systems and say, oh, okay, the freelancer is going to work on, you know, whatever, system X. So first thing we've got to do is explain system X and, and get it, make sure it's in some kind of shape so that an external person can work on it. 
And then month by month, we would go through the different systems and it would force us to kind of clean up all those systems and make sure that they were in a state that someone else could work on it. Also, I have to say another big reason to doing it for me as you know, the founder of the business was uh, it, it helped me sleep a bit better in, in, in terms of like, you know, what they call the, the bus problem. Like if my co-founder gets hit by a bus, do I have, any, you know, who else has that knowledge of how to run the system? A freelancer who works with us one day a month, obviously he's not he's not going to have full command of every system perfectly or whatever. But at least I have then someone else who can in some way help in the event of an emergency. Yeah, this is uh, similar to the concept of using checklists, like what we do before we start the podcast to make sure we're recording properly. Uh, when these things are documented, they, they it's just a much better process. It's in some ways it's similar to you know having the trainer at the gym. Obviously, yeah. you can go to the gym yeah. and and you can you do a great workout or whatever. But the reality is, you know, humans don't have the willpower to push themselves as much as when another human is pushing them. So having the having the freelancer forces you to say, okay, now I've got to get organized. Now I've got to define the project. Now I got to you know this system. We never documented what the inputs and outputs of it are. So if if I want him to work on it, I'm going to have to do that. Okay, I think I hear what you're saying now. So. The point is not to get a freelancer to help in your business. The point is to get a freelancer, any freelancer, even if it's only for a small amount of time each month, because it makes you be systematic and document your processes. That was our experience. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And of course, we're not, it's not that we're giving the freelancer projects that we don't actually need. Of course, he's doing meaningful work. But one of the main drivers was forcing us to be disciplined about defining the projects, about getting the software into a position where an external party could work on it. And and that was really quite important, I think. A good friend of mine who runs a mostly one-person bootstrap startup, he did support by himself for years. And eventually he decided to hire somebody to work an hour per day, I think it was, and support and to do that, he had to stop having all the answers to the questions in his head. He had to write them down in a form that could exactly. be used by the support he had person. Yeah, to write them down. Yeah, and in fact, they ended up becoming the help docs. And by handing over support, it made him prepared that this better, which actually meant support went down. Yeah, I mean, and and, and it can be painful at first, of course, because then you're like, oh, it'd be faster if I just answer this question. Yeah, but, you know, obviously. Yeah, but faster today, know, but the, slower in the long term. Exactly. Exactly. It's about getting your business into shape. So well, that's something I could learn from this one. And uh, number five on your list of small team habits, Ed. Number number five, I put again. I have a long list, but but just to round out the top five, um, particularly as we're heading into the holiday season and the end of the year, is make sure you celebrate. Make sure you set the goals, and then when you achieve the goals, it's so easy to say, "Oh, okay, now we hit we hit this number or whatever. You know, now let's double it or whatever. Let's go to the next level." But you got to make sure you take the time to actually celebrate how far you've come. So important for your mental health, you know. And 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 those celebrations, you know, it can be minor. It can be like, "Oh, I'm going to go have a, a a nice meal at a at my favorite restaurant or something," or, or take the day off and go hiking or something like that that you really enjoy doing. Exactly. It doesn't mean you need to fly to Vegas, you know, for a week or something. But although that's an option, <laughs> <laughs> it is an option. But uh, well, yeah, you win it back, so it pays for itself, <laughs> guaranteed. Yeah, but it's it's really really quite critical. And this is something I have to say. I also think for first time founders, sort of, they're so focused on the goal of growing the business, and and at times it's easy to lose sight of this. It's important to take set your goals, achieve the goals, but then celebrate the goals. And those goals might be. 
first customer. It might be your 10th customer. It might be the first time you get 10 new customers in one month. Right. It could be if you're launching some new feature. It could be whatever it is, whatever whatever the thing is. But Or, or a ranking number one for some keyword or something like this that you've been trying Ooh, to rank. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put your happiness in the hands of Google. Dude, that's a recipe for success, but uh, for, for failure. But, but Google is my overlord. <laughs> Well, at least you're at least you're aware of your position in the in the food chain there. No, so but I really think that's a that's an important one because it's so easy to get lost on the treadmill you're on. You just think oh, I just need to run faster. I need to run fast, you know. And of course, everyone wants to grow their business and everyone has big goals of where they want to get to. But uh, you got to enjoy the journey. Yeah. So good one. So there we have Ed's uh, initial list or preliminary list of uh, healthy small team habits. I'll go through them quickly. Number one was to write a monthly summary email to advisors. Number two, schedule time for regular things you know you need to do. Number three, use a service like Beometrics or Chartmogul to keep track of your business, to keep track of the health, financial health. Number four, hire a freelancer for the purposes of forcing yourself to document the processes. And number five, take time to celebrate when you hit those goals. That's right. You know, that's just kind of a top five. I'm, I'm compiling my own list. Some of them are, are big picture things. Some are super nitty gritty. But I would love it if listeners, you know, on the forum contributed their own ideas. What habits have worked for them? What tips and techniques do they wish they had implemented earlier in their business? Um, would love to hear any ideas anyone has or feedback on the ideas that we've discussed here today. So that's all we have time for today. We will be back next week with another episode from the Bootstrapping Life. Listeners, as Ed said, if you'd like to discuss more about today's topic, please go to our forum at bootstrapped.fm or discuss.bootstrapped.fm and share your tips with us. Okay, bye, Ed. Good chat, Steve. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye, everybody. That concludes this episode of Bootstrapped. You can discuss this episode and other bootstrapping topics on our forums at discuss.bootstrapped.fm. Until next episode, goodbye.